Hello, and welcome to the Brookwood Ministries podcast. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us a pathway to peace. Let's join the pastors of Brookwood Care Ministries as we explore eight principles of growth in this care podcast series on the journey of healing. Let me do like Josh. Three, two, one. I can't do it that way. I have to just do it naturally. Hey, everybody, and you're not welcome. Supposed to say one. What? You interrupted me. I was getting started. That was probably you're the best it was ever right. going to be. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Care Ministries podcast. See, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, that All was right. good. This is not Josh starting things off. This is Gene Beckner. I'm the care pastor here at Brookwood Church. I'm here with Doug Wildman. Howdy. Who apparently has turned country on us as he's spent some time here from Canada. And he is our uh, marriage and counselor pastor. <laughs> and way over there in the corner is Joshua J. Masters. Nobody puts Josh in the corner. Who is... Uh, who does a little bit of everything around here, but uh, what's your actual title? You're associate care pastor, associate right? Associate care pastor. And then Katie is at the helm, right? Yes. Who is doing our production today. And uh, we're glad that you guys are here. We are continuing our uh, series on Journey of Healing, and we have made it all the way to Principle 6. Yes. Isn't that cool? And uh, it's been kind of uh, a learning experience for all three of us, I think, as we have uh, prepared each week for... Um, doing this podcast and and the topics that have come up uh, aren't always what we talk about here. So it's very interesting. Um, and hopefully as you listen, maybe some things will pop up uh, that are kind of ancillary to what we're talking about, but God can use to, um, you know, help you in your life. And uh, so today, principle six is, is a lengthy one, but I think we'll be able to uh, hem it in before we're done today. Um, principle six says to evaluate all my relationships, uh, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends for harm that I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. And then we have a couple of scriptures that go with that. Matthew 5, 7 says, happy are the merciful. And Matthew 5, 9 says, happy are the peacemakers. And so, you know, the the first part about evaluating relationships I mean, that's just a good thing to do anytime. You know, I don't, I don't think things have to be going poorly in your life because um, you can celebrate, you know, when things are going well. But it can also help you look at what you, uh, what matters to you in relationships. You know, you can have a good relationship that might be missing some pieces that may not necessarily be extremely dysfunctional, mm. but I think it, it helps you clarify values um, and also maybe even compare it to what God says about relationships, you know, how he uh, wants uh, relationships to be successful, which, again, you could look at, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, and people use that when they get married, and you know, about love and stuff, but that could probably be used for any relationship, like, you know, am I being patient? Am I being kind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, am I not boasting? And so I think a lot of times people get to this thing and they think, well, I've got to be in some kind of huge issue in my relationships before I decide if I'm going to evaluate it. But, you know, we can evaluate our working relationship and say, hey, is there something that could be better? Is there something that, you know, may be concerning to us? And identify what's good as well. Yeah, right? absolutely. If you're constantly evaluating your relationships, then you're mindful of your relationships, right. mm-hmm. and you're going to be more successful in those relationships. That's good. So if some, if you're listening to this and you're going, okay, what, what do I need to do when I'm 
you know, evaluating my relationships. I think there's there's three things to to look at. Is is one what's what's healthy about my relationship? Now, some people may say, well, I really can't identify that either. But if you look at Galatians five twenty two and twenty three, and it talks about the fruit of the spirit, you know, how healthy is that relationship of yours? Is there love? Mm-hmm. Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there goodness? Is there kindness? Is there self control? And there may be areas where you can grow in because we can always grow in all those areas, but is it is it healthy? Does it, as Josh, you said, you know, when we were preparing for this, does it bring life, mm. or is it taking life away? You know, that's a real good thing to think about. You know, is is this thing taking life from me, or is it bringing life to me? And am I bringing life to it, or am I taking it away? You know, am I an emotional vampire? Right. <clears throat> and or am I the one that's you know the victim of the vampire? So I think that's a that, and there's all kinds of diagnostic tools you can get online that will help you look at relationship. But I would go back to uh, Galatians five and look at, you know, is there love and joy and peace and goodness and kindness in your relationship? <clears throat> Number two is, you know, what kind of respect is there? Mutual respect in your relationship, and the reason why I brought that up is because sometimes when relationships are going well, we overlook the fact that the other person is not really respecting us Mm -hmm. or if we're being disrespectful to others. Like a lot of times with parents and kids, as long as the kid's grades are good, the parent really doesn't say much, but yet the child may be disrespectful to the parent, you know, or husband and wife, as long as, as the wife, and I'll, you know, use a phrase that some of you may know from Dave Ramsey, uh, as long as she has a, a good amount of blow money, she doesn't really care if he mistreats her because she gets to go spend money and go buy the things that she wants to. Right. But, you know, and especially when relationships start, you know, you got butterflies, everyone feels good, the endorphins are flying, and everyone's like, oh, I just feel so good. And then they're overlooking the fact that, you know, he's abusive. Uh, he's physically abusive. He's verbally abusive. Um, all of a sudden, she's unavailable. You know, you have plans and she doesn't show up, you know. But we overlook those things because we're in love, you know, that kind of thing. So I think looking at is there mutual respect, and that leads into the third part, which is boundaries. You right. know, are there good, healthy boundaries in your relationships? Um, and one of the things that I love, um, advice that came to me a long time ago, was how does someone respond to your no? So if you're in a relationship and you feel like it's maybe abusive or it's not going the right way, and you set up a boundary and the person says no, that says a lot to you about the health of your relationship. Right. Because I should be able to say to someone, I'm not comfortable with that. You know, whether that's physical space, whether that's emotional space, uh, whether that's feeling like you're doing something that goes against your values. And then even if you're on the other side, if, if you can't really handle someone saying no to you mm-hmm. if you get offended if 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 you want to if you get angry or you know you feel unloved you know josh could probably talk about that now you're talking about codependency and lots of other things that kind of come into play and so again we we talk about the boundaries books and safe people which are by cloud and townsend and, and you can pick those up in, in our bookstore here at brookwood or pretty much any bookstore and we often have workshops we just yes. had a safe people workshop um, and one of the things that Rick and Kristen Raby, who teach that workshop, said 
just last week when they taught it was when you're evaluating a relationship, is the person drawing you closer in your relationship with God, Amen. or are they drawing you further away from your relationship with God? That should be a major benchmark. You know, Josh, I know one thing uh, that you guys use in Celebrate Recovery is is the inventory worksheet, which when you start getting into the the, the part about, hey, do I need to offer forgiveness um, or, or offer amends, you, you kind of really take a... a a snapshot of your relationship, and there's several areas that we look at. Um, the idea of it is exactly what you just said. It's to help you evaluate your relationships. Because if you struggle with, say, a relationship with your mom and you're an adult child and your attitude is, oh, I hate my mom, okay, well, you got to dig into that and figure out why. So the idea of the inventory worksheet is to help you evaluate the relationship and find out why it's not healthy or why it is healthy. Um, so the first column, I'll do the first one and then you can take over. The first column is to identify people in your life that you need to evaluate the relationship of. So you make a list of the people that you need to evaluate the relationship with. And then there's other columns that you fill out if you want to run through those. Uh, The next one would be the, the cause. What did the person do to cause your resentment or your fear or distrust? Right. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, you gotta be honest with yourself and say, "Hey, this 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 was something that was dramatic." You know, sometimes people minimize mm-hmm. because they're in unhealthy relationships and they've been kind of conditioned not to value themselves. And on the flip side, some people, you know, make mountains out of molehills. But what's good about the worksheet is is put it down. You know, because if you've got a good healthy community around you, you can have some people give you some insight and perspective that maybe maybe you don't have. So you list that, but then you also say, okay, what was the effect of that? You know, what what did this do to me? How did this affect me? Right. And that's a highly personal question. And it's I think it's really important if you're helping someone, this is the place to validate because it's not up to you to go, oh, that didn't really hurt you. Or that really hurts you bad and you're denying it. You have to take that person where they are. So if that person is saying, you know what, because of the way that my dad treated me, I'm really not good in relationships, then go, you know what, I'm going to validate that that's where you are in this moment, you know, which kind of leans over to to the damage. You know, what is that because of the the event that occurred and then you have an effect, then you, you also have to be honest with the damage, you know, and sometimes that's that's a wake up call to people because sometimes the damage is other relationships didn't work out. You know, maybe it impacted your ability to be a good parent or to be a good spouse or to be a good friend. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what happens in that place is people then they heap it on themselves, you know, and it's their fault. And we'll talk about that in a, in a minute. But the 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 next section is my part. And we want to be clear about this, and we talked about this when we prepared, was if you're a a victim or a survivor of sexual abuse or physical abuse, emotional abuse, you didn't have a part. Right. You know, that's important to say. That was done to you. And so a lot of times people who are victims and survivors of sexual abuse really take on the responsibility of somehow it was their fault. Right. And so we want to be clear to anyone listening is, is if you're in that place, there you didn't have a part. That was totally the other person's part. But, you know, if you got into an argument with your spouse, you know, and, and when I counsel folks, when they say, well, she just makes me mad, I go, time out. 
your part is that you got mad. Hmm. Yeah, well, she said blah, blah, blah to me. Right, that's her part. But your part was you chose to get angry. Your response, yeah. yeah. Yeah, your response. You have to own that response, and that's okay because that may be a place where you need to grow. But until you take that responsibility, it's hard to even get to the part that we want to get to, which is offering forgiveness and, and offering amends. Right, and I would say add on to that. All three of us have counseled married couples. And I don't think any of us, I'll speak for myself, but you can chime in as well. I've never seen a married couple where all of the blame is on one side. (laughs) No, no. In fact, uh, marriage counseling is very unique in the sense that it's not viewed as one person having the issue. It's more looking at it as a system. Right. So then, Josh, how do we transition from evaluating my relationships to offering forgiveness and making amends. Right. Well, the inventory sheet and the first part of this principle, which is to evaluate all of my relationships, gives you the list of who you need to forgive. Sometimes we don't realize who we have to forgive and who we're holding a grudge against, and we don't realize who we've hurt until we start um, listing it out. And you said something very, very important that we always tell people is list it out, because it's very easy to say, well, God and I both know, so I don't need to put it on paper. No, mm-hmm. you've got to put it on paper. There's something about putting it on paper that makes it real and makes you have to confront it. Yeah. So once you've created that list and you see what your part was in the situation and what someone else has done to you, you need to forgive them and you need to make amends, which is the next two parts. Now, we do have to sort of give a disclaimer that forgiving someone does not necessarily mean restoration of the relationship because it may not be safe to do that, Uh, nor does it automatically build the trust. But I know, Doug, you wanted to talk more about the forgiveness piece. So before I step on your toes, let's hear what you have to say. (laughs) Yeah. So I looked up forgiveness in the, uh, the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, and here's the way it's defined. Ceasing to feel resentment for wrongs and offenses. Pardon. Uh, involving restoration of broken relationships. Now that one, we're going to have to kind of unpack that a little bit because um, there's a lot more that needs to be said. So essentially what it's saying is um, in light of the fact that we ourselves have received the forgiveness of God, using that as the backdrop, we also need to forgive as well. And here's a few verses to kind of to look at that a little bit closer. He who is forgiven little loves little. Mm. Um, Luke chapter 7, verses 47. Then the very familiar passage where the person is saying, hey, Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive this person? Mm. Seven times? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. In other words, you just keep on forgiving. Right. Right. Again, we're going we're gonna to unpack this a little bit. As a marriage counselor, this is a really important one that I come across uh, or that I, that I mention uh, to people, to husbands in particular. It says, live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayers will not be hindered. And that's taken from 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 7. Um, there's even one that's, oh my goodness, very, uh, I mean, it, it penetrates right to the heart. It says, forgive and you will be forgiven. So here we're walking around um, almost like we have a little recording device on ourselves, and every single time that we do not forgive another person, that's when the recording device starts. 
to record. Um, and I think that we are held to account for how we treat other people because we're a lot of the times treating other people in the very same way that we ourselves are failing. Mm. So that's not to put a heavy burden on anybody's shoulders, but to simply be a reminder that we ourselves are the recipients of, of forgiveness. And I think that's the foundation that, uh, that we need to draw upon. I don't know about you guys, but I'm very keenly aware of my own need for forgiveness. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's what drives me uh, to, to give, to offer forgiveness. But I think there's another piece that we need to kind of bring into this as well. And that is that, as you had kind of alluded to, uh, Josh, that forgiveness does not mean that we throw our brain away. Right. You know, we need to use our head and to say, is this a safe thing for me to just be jumping back into the relationship without evaluating whether it's actually safe? Yeah, I think what you said is exactly right, that we, when we're hurt, we have a tendency to go one of two ways. Either we say, I'm done with this person and I'm walking away and nothing they can do will make it better. Or you have some sort of um, codependency response where you're like, I'll do anything to make it better. And neither one of those extremes are healthy, which is why it says to evaluate your relationships. Trust needs to be earned. Yeah. And forgiveness is about releasing your bitterness. It's about releasing the chains that the hurt has on you. It's not about letting the person, quote unquote, off the hook. Right? right? Because there are consequences to actions, and sometimes those consequences don't go away here on earth. Mm-hmm. It's about your motive and you being controlled by the person and what they did to you. Yeah. So forgiveness is about letting go of the bitterness, letting go of it being able to control you, letting go of it infecting the way you love others. But it doesn't necessarily mean restoration. It can, yeah. but you need to be seeking God and seeking wise counsel as to what the steps look like for that, and what are the healthy boundaries to rebuild the trust if you can restore the relationship. And one of the uh, you know good series of questions to ask yourself <clears throat> is if you're aware that you're being unforgiving towards someone, and this is a question you can have with someone else, but ultimately with the Lord— you know, do you sense any resistance? Is there anything on the inside of you that at the thought of not still holding on to it, like the thought of forgiving that person, do you sense anything that is resistant to that, doesn't want that to happen? Right. And and if, and if you can say, well, yeah, then the next question is, well, what do you believe is going to happen if you do forgive them? And that's where that letting them off the hook thing usually comes into play. Right. Because if that's the case— then what we've done is we've swallowed a lie, really. We're believing something that's not true, that somehow me not forgiving them is somehow holding them accountable. Even though we have scripture that God says, vengeance is mine, I'll take care of it, I can't be mocked, you know, uh, you're going to reap what you sowed, that kind of stuff. But that's where your relationship with God can really uh, hit a new level when you go, I'm going to forgive this person because I want to honor God and let God help me heal on the inside and know that he'll hold them accountable. Right. And that goes back to the very first principle that we talked about seven weeks ago, which is realize 
I'm not God. Was that long ago? It was seven man. weeks ago. Yeah, we're on oh, episode man. seven of this. Wow! And they renewed our contract. We're still here, That's right? <laughs> exactly. We haven't. They're waiting till the end of the season. That's right. When we get to the eighth principle, um, but part of realizing that you're not God isn't just that your life is unmanageable; it's that you can't control other people's lives or other people's actions, nor are you the source of justice. Hmm. When we read in chapter twelve of Romans where Jesus says, don't take vengeance, I will pay them back. Part of realizing that I'm not God is is not saying there is no justice. It's just that I'm not the one to dole it out. That's not my role. That's God's role. Right. And by holding on to that, by holding on to that responsibility, you're making yourself sick. Because if you think by not forgiving, you're holding them accountable— then you're carrying a burden that is meant for God, and you don't have the strength to carry that. So you're just going to make yourself sicker and sicker and sicker. So some people find that very, very difficult to let go and forgive someone who's harmed you. Then there's the other group of people who struggle with the second part, which is, and make amends for the harm that I've done to others except when to do so would harm them or others. So I think the forgiveness piece was our first verse that we looked at, Matthew 5, 7, which was happy are the merciful. But now we also have to look at Matthew 5, 9, happy are the peacemakers. And we're also reminded of Romans 12, 8, that says do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So when you're doing that inventory and you're evaluating your relationships, you're going to come across things where maybe the other person was 90% wrong, but you got to clean up your side of the street you got to make amends for the part that you did, that you were responsible for, regardless of what they're going to do. And that can be difficult because you don't want to admit that you're wrong. A lot of times I don't want to admit that I had a part. It's so much easier to say this, this was their fault. Yes. And it's not up to me. But if they're holding something against you, even if you don't think it's justified, look at what Matthew 5.23 says. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, not that you did something, that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there hmm. at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So there's two major things there to look at. First of all, it's clear from that that your relationship with God is affected by your relationship with other people. Mm. Because he's saying, before you come to me, go fix this thing that your brother has against you. And I do think it's significant that it says, if someone has something against you, yeah, as opposed to if you did something to someone else, because you're acknowledging their perspective of the situation, even if you don't necessarily agree with it. And I think one thing to remember about that, too, because I've seen this happen in marriage counseling before, is people get to this place and they'll say something like, well, if I hurt your feelings, then I'm sorry. Mm. Well, obviously, the person's feelings have been hurt. So using that word if, and it's it's been interesting. People have struggled to to just go, forget the first part, just apologize for hurting their feelings. Well, I don't really think I hurt their feelings. And like the scripture that you just used isn't asking you for your perspective. It's saying if the person has something against you, to be able to really humbly go before them and say, hey, look, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. Right. How do we How do we reconcile this? And they may not. That may not be it at all. They may still yeah. walk away from the relationship, but you've done the part that you need to do. And if you want to be brave and grow, you can go to them and say, 
help me understand how I hurt your feelings so I don't do it again. Absolutely. So far as it depends on you, yes. live at peace with one another. Yep. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to accept your apology. Exactly. Like, you yeah. don't have control over that. You don't have any control over the way that they respond. You're responsible for cleaning up your side of the street. Yes. Yep. And there are different ways to make amends, and what you really want to be looking for is what is the way to make amends that means the most to that person? Because this is about making it right for them, if you can. If you can, yeah. Um, but the end of the principle, and we do want to make sure that we unpack this a little bit, says— We've been doing a lot of unpacking today. We, yeah, we are I we haven't are unpacked it's anything. Like I feel left out. You can, unhel- you can help me unpack this. Okay. Yeah. Will you help me move, Gene? Uh, Clean up your own side of the street. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so make amends for harm I've done to others, comma, except when to do so would harm them or others. And this always has a lot of discussion around what that means. Um, because I have seen people... Mm, all right, let's be honest. I have <laughs> used that as the excuse to not make amends, right? Oh, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. Making someone uncomfortable is not the same as harming someone, right? So these are pretty extreme situations where it would harm someone else. Um, One example might be that let's say that you are a woman who had an affair with a married man and you've come to a place where you're trying to make that right with God and make it right with other people, and your inclination is to make amends to this man's wife. Well, maybe she doesn't know about the affair, or maybe they've been going through the process of healing, and you reappearing in the picture would cause a bunch of insecurity and put their relationship at risk. That's not okay. Now, you still have to make amends with God and you still have to come to peace with it, but it wouldn't be appropriate to step into that relationship. Another one might be if you are a man who abused a woman and she is afraid of you or she's asked you to stay away from her, you need to stay away from her. You know, sometimes when there's been a long time of no communication, say, between a, a, a daughter and her father, and then the father comes back in the picture after 20 years and wants to re-engage the relationship right away and he comes on too fast, sometimes that can be hurtful because the daughter is like, wait a minute, you haven't been in my life for 20 years, now all of a sudden you want to be right there. You know, my advice on that would be, hey, get a third party involved and let's see if somebody can help, whether it's a counselor or whether it's a pastor or a mutual friend or somebody to help kind of navigate through whether something is hurtful. And again, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I don't know if I would hurt someone, seek seek someone that you trust and get their opinion on it. Mm, that's such good advice. You know, and go to the Lord with it. Wisdom and counsel. Yeah, and see what God would, how he would have you move forward with that. And then, of course, there's times that you can't make amends because the person has passed away. Um, what what do you advise people to do in those circumstances? Well, I think, again, we're looking at the this, the same uh, issue of you can still evaluate the relationship. You know, right. a lot of times with parents who have, have passed and gone on, you may not be able to communicate with them. It's almost like dealing with the um, five stages of grief. You know, you work your way through to a place where you accept that it is what it is. Mm-hmm. 
And it doesn't mean that you minimize grief or loss or your own anger or your own sadness, but you process that with God and you process that with someone that you trust, even if you get to a place where there is an acceptance. Again, love, joy, peace. Jesus said, I leave with you my peace, not as the world gives, but as I give. Right. It defies logic in our mind that, oh, well, there's no way I'm going to be peaceful because my mom or my dad passed and I didn't get to say the things I wanted to say. Well, that's, again, that's another lie. That's not true. Right. Um, because Jesus says, look, I will, if, you know, he says in Revelation, you know, I'm knocking on the door. If you open it up, me and my father are going to come in and we're going to be with you. And really, that's what you want because that's going to help you with. Uh, if there's woundedness there or if there's unresolved things, you know, between you and someone who's passed away. I think there is a um, a mindset out there that, you know, if you didn't make it right, you're just going to have to live with this your whole life. Right. And that's that's just bad theology. That's just not that's not real. That's right. not true. It could happen to you, but it doesn't have to be. God can give you freedom Amen. from anything in your past. Yep. There's nothing on earth that can block you from the freedom God wants to give you except yourself. I do believe that uh, forgiveness is obviously a choice mm-hmm. and isn't always an easy choice, but I believe that it really is stemming from our own acknowledgement of our own need of forgiveness. We wouldn't be commanded to forgive if it wasn't something that was possible. But we also need to use our heads. Yeah, that's such a great point. And seek God and seek wise counsel, because in those circumstances, whether we're making amends or forgiving someone else, we sometimes can have a hard time having the right perspective. And we need other people and quiet time with God to reveal our motives and what direction to take. So, uh, you know, as we end here, if you are... um... If you're going through a period where you're evaluating relationships and maybe there's issues with forgiveness and making amends, you know, we'd love to walk with you uh, through that. And um, you'll be able to contact us through a, a number at the end of this podcast. And um, we're going to pray for you. Um, and for those of you that are listening, that if you're going through that, that God will um, meet you where you are and help you on that on that path. Let's Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and how you guide us lord you you know things that we don't know and lord it says your ways are not our ways and we are commanded to not lean on our own understanding and so father for those who are listening to this who are dealing with forgiveness issues whether it's making amends or whether it's offering forgiveness of others father i pray that you will guide them to a place where a they experience you but then be they experience the freedom and the peace that can only come from you. Mm-hmm. And so we thank you in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks again for listening to the Care Ministries podcast from Brookwood Church. If you'd like more information about today's topic or you need support, you can call us at 864-688-8355. You can also learn more about Care Ministries by visiting www.brookwoodchurch.org care. And make sure to check out all of our upcoming events and support groups on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash brookwoodcare. We'd love to be an encouragement to you as we walk together in a healing relationship with Christ. Until next time, God bless.
And we are on week eight. Can you believe that? We're on week mm-hmm. eight of yeah. our series. <laughs> What's the series called? Journey. The journey of healing. There oh, boy.